0: Question We're going to address in this series, and it's going to be the question what happens when you die? And I want to just give you some statistics. You know, we don't like to think about death, you know, it can be a very depressing concept, and yet, worldwide, three people die every second, 180 people die every minute, and nearly 11,000 people die every hour. And so, by the time this worship service is over, 11,000 people. Uh, throughout the world, will have died. Now, you may just try to ignore the, uh, the the reality of death, or you may not think much about it, or you may be like Woody Allen, who said, "It's not that I'm afraid to die; I just don't want to be there when it happens." You know. So, whatever your your view of death may be, I, you know, I doubt we look at death and think, you know, that's that's a wonderful thing. It's not. It's a, a natural break in, in relationships and it's something that we, we do not look forward to. Um, but we need to address this question, when it does come, what happens when you die? What happens after you die? Does anything happen? And I want you to think of it like this. I want you to think of life like a stairway. And you're climbing the stairs and each stair represents decisions you make today, a life that you need to live today. So each each day is a step that you're taking and then as you reach the top of the stairway you go and take your last step and you enter a small hallway and that hallway represents death okay and now next there are some differing views on what happens next pretty much everybody agrees that you live and then you die whether you're an atheist an agnostic a hindu a christian we all agree you live a life And then you step into death. And the question is, what happens after that? Some believe once you take that last step into death, that's it. You just cease to exist. Just like an apple would fall from the tree and decay into the earth, you no longer exist. That's it. This would be more of a naturalistic worldview, an atheistic worldview. There is no supernatural. There is no soul. You're just purely physical. And you will just cease to be. That's one view. Another common view of death around the world is the idea as you take that last step on your stairway of life, then you actually take on another form and begin the stairway again. The staircase, you, you, stop, you start back on stair number one and climb the stairway again, and it's a cycle that repeats itself until eventually you're able to be delivered from that cycle And you are absorbed into the universal force of the universe. So it's like you're a drop of water that, finally, once you're released out of this cycle of reincarnation and rebirth, you're like a drop of water that is dropped into the ocean, and you become part of this universal force. So in a way, that's another. uh, In a way, it's kind of like the, the the first position that you cease to exist, at least in your individual self. But that's a common. Belief, especially in the Eastern world. Well, Christianity teaches something quite different. Uh, when, when you step off that last stair into the hallway of death, Christianity teaches that uh, you will continue to exist. And the Bible teaches these, these truths very clearly. For example, Genesis 1 and 2, you can read the passage, the first two chapters of your Bible, uh, clearly shows us that God creates life he is the author and giver of life. And then in Genesis chapter 3 and even over in Romans chapter 5 in the New Testament, we are we're taught that death came to be because of sin. Because of a fracture in our relationship with God, it, it brought about a brokenness into the world that results in death. And so whether you're a Christian or not, you still taste death until Christ comes. And so death is a consequence of sin. It's part of the brokenness of the world. And thirdly, the Bible teaches that as you crest the stairway of life and you pass through the hallway of death, there is a passageway or a pathway into two doors that lead to two rooms. And these two rooms represent where you go after you die. And everyone will proceed into one of these two rooms. As you walk through the hallway of death. Now, there are many differences between these two rooms. There's the room on your right, and there's the room on your left. There are many differences between these two rooms. But there is one main difference, and that is the the room on your right, there is a person in this room. And this person is not in the room on your left. And so as you crest your stairway and pass through the hallway of death, what will determine which room you go through will be whether or not you want to be in the same room as that person. And we've all been in that situation where there are people that we just did not want to be around, right? I mean, there are some people you did not want to be in the same room with them. For example, I went to go visit someone uh, just over a week ago, and of course being a pastor, when I visit someone, there's a high probability that we're going to talk about Jesus, right? And so uh, this person was just a little uncomfortable with that, and so when this person saw me coming they turned around and left <laughs> because they didn't want to be with me and talk about that. And that, that's okay. But we've all, we've all been in that situation where you somebody has done something to you or there's some, there's some kind of context there that has made you just not want to be in the presence of this other person. I don't even want to be around them, right? And we've all been there. Well, in a greater degree, this is, this is the reality of what happens after you die, the question will really center around do you want to be in the same room with this person or not? And I use the the you know the concept of room figuratively, obviously, but do you want to be in the same place as this person or not? And clearly the person I'm referring to is Jesus. You know, Jesus is, is it, he's in the room on the right, but He's not in the room on the left. And the question is, well, which room do you want to be in? And it really centers on, do you want to be with Jesus or not? And the thing is, when you want to, it's not just do I want to be around Jesus, it's do I want to acknowledge Jesus as King, Lord? Do I want to surrender myself as Wayne prayed in the auditory prayer? Am I willing to surrender myself to Christ? Am I willing to do that? Or do I despise the idea of surrender and do I want to do my own thing, live my own life, call my own shots? Well... That's really the crux of the matter. Do you want to surrender to Jesus as king or do you want to be your own king? And that's really the question. And that will determine which room you go to. If you want to be in the room on the right and submit to Jesus, then that's where you'll go once you pass through the hallway of death. But if you don't want to surrender to Jesus, don't want to be with him, then there's this other room that is for you. And this is where you will not have to be with Jesus. Like I said, there's many other differences, but it all comes down to who you want to be with. And C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, the fact that you can choose whether or not you want to be with Jesus or not, and the and the, the concept of hell, this, you know, this room on your left, and the room on the right, I'm referring to as heaven. So the room on the right is heaven, the room on the left is hell. The whole... Uh, Reality of hell, C.S. Lewis says, is the greatest monument to human freedom. Because God does not force you into a relationship with Himself. That's why you have heaven and hell. One place is for those who want to be with Jesus, who want to be with God, and hell exists because there's a place where you can go where you will not have to be with God. And so you have, you have the two rooms. And maybe this is not your experience, but it, it, tends to be my, it has been my experience in that when you talk to Christians about what happens after you die, that's pretty much it. It's heaven or hell. The two rooms. And the question is, which room are you going to? And we know it depends on who do you, do you want to be with Jesus or not? Are you willing to surrender your life to Christ now or not? And that decision needs to be made before you pass through the hallway of death. Okay? Nothing in the Bible that I've found anyway uh, points to a reality that you get to make that choice after you're in the hallway. It seems like that decision needs to be made in the stairway of life. And so you have these two options. And usually when you talk to Christians, that's where it ends. And I would agree that you do need to decide. You need to make a decision. You need to make a decision even today. Uh, do you want to be with Jesus or not? Do you want to surrender to Him or not? Because that will determine which room you end up in. However, this idea of heaven is a bit unclear. You know, what do you think of when you think of heaven? Well, if you watch a lot of cartoons like I have, uh, you have one idea. Usually, you get a harp. It's kind of an instrument of choice. You get a harp, and you get a cloud. And for some reason, you get wings. I'm not real sure why, but I guess it helps you to stay in the cloud. I don't know. But you have the harp, you have the wings, you have the cloud. And you're, I guess you sing and strum. That's what you do in heaven. And you think, is that really what heaven's all about? I mean, do you really want, do you want to sit on a cloud with a harp, with wings? I mean, I can't really understand that. That doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Um, And I'm not real sure where where people get that, but um, but I want to read read you a quote by John Eldridge. In one of his books, he wrote this. He says, nearly every Christian I've spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. I guess it just depends on the church service, right? Whether you are looking forward to that or not. It's an unending church service. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky. One great hymn after another. Forever and ever. Amen. Our heart sinks. Forever and ever. I mean, is that it? (laughs) Is that the good news? And then we sigh and feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. You know, we feel guilty because something inside us says, you know, I don't know if I want to sing hymns all the time for eternity. And then he says, we lose heart and we turn once more to the present and find what life we can. And I wonder, you know, is that your view of eternity? Is that your view of heaven? And what I want to share with you is, yes, there is a heaven and yes, there's a hell. There are these two rooms I've described The Bible is very clear on that. But what you need to realize is both of these rooms, heaven and hell, are temporary places. You will not stay in either one for eternity. Because what happens when you die? Your body is buried and your soul goes to be either with the Lord in heaven or it goes to hell. And so you don't have your body You're in some type of spiritual existence, uh, still an individual, still yourself, but you're in a more spiritual existence without the physical body, okay? And so you're either in heaven or hell, right? You're in one of these two rooms. But these are both temporary rooms. You're not going to stay there forever. Something will happen when Jesus returns. But until then you have this time period like now that if someone dies, their body will be buried or it will go to the ground in some way, shape, or form and their soul will go to one of those two rooms. And this will continue until Christ returns. And then when Christ returns, we're taught that there will be a resurrection. And this is key because Christianity is all about the resurrection. right? It's all about the resurrection. And so in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29... Jesus is explaining His return and His judgment, and He says this. He says, An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. His voice referring to the Father's voice. God the Father. They will hear His voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so, what we see here is when Christ returns... Your soul is in one of those two rooms. But when Christ returns, He will reunite your soul with a body. Your body. Now your body will be similar to your body now, but not just like it. So there will be differences, just like Jesus' body. Jesus was raised from the dead, right? And He had a physical body that was similar to His body before, but yet different. And that will be true of you as well. No matter which room you're in. Heaven or hell. You will be then reunited with your body in this resurrection. Acts 24.15 calls this the resurrection of the just and the unjust. Because the reality is you were never meant to be without a body. You were created to have a body. You were created to be physical, not just spiritual. Right? I mean, this is what we were created to be. And so you have the resurrection of the just and the unjust. And the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, writes that it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. And so, you're in heaven or hell, you have your body resurrected and reunited with your soul, and then you stand before the judgment seat of God. And the Bible says that we'll all stand in that place, and during this time of judgment you'll be assigned to a place where you'll spend eternity. Now, for those who are in hell, awaiting the resurrection of their body, it's almost like awaiting a sentencing. I mean, you've already been shown guilty that you did not want to be with Christ, you did not want to surrender to Christ, and therefore, you're you're in this place called hell. And so when you're reunited with your body, You will go before the Lord, and in a way, it's like getting your sentence in. Okay? Where, Where God says you will spend eternity dealing with your sin because that's what you wanted. You will only get what you want. Okay? This is what you wanted, and so that's what you get. Now, for those who are in Christ, who are in heaven awaiting the resurrection, you will. Be in heaven and then you will spend eternity somewhere else. There will be some similarities and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But before I get to heaven, let me, let me finish uh, describing hell just by looking at a few verses um, and just tell you how the Bible refers to this place, of this eternal place where people will spend eternity apart from God. It's referred to as a prison a bottomless pit, a furnace of fire, a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, and utter and outer darkness. So I read that and I think to myself, that's not a place I want to spend any amount of time, personally. And then I look to Jesus and I think, okay, Jesus died for my sin, and all He requires of me is to bring my sin to Him and He'll forgive me of my sin. I just need to surrender my life to Him. And personally, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with Jesus paying for my sin and spending eternity with a good and loving God. But there are some, and maybe you're one of them, that you do have a problem with that and you don't want that. And that's your choice. And for you, there is a place for you where you will not be with Jesus. He will not be there. And you will not have to spend any time with Him. And you can spend eternity apart from Him dealing with the consequences of your own sin and your own choices. And this is what we really want when you think about it. Because when any crime is committed, you want justice. When a crime is committed, you want justice. And God is the purely just One. And He will bring all actions to justice. And so the question is, who is going to pay the penalty? Is it going to be you or is it going to be Jesus? And it's really up to you. Whichever one you would rather have pay it will. So that's hell. But if you're in the waiting room on the right called heaven, then you will proceed to a place where you will spend eternity with God. Now what place will that be? that place will be the earth. And this may be a little new territory for some of you because all your life, when people talk to you about what happens after death, you stop at heaven and you never get completely through the book of Revelation or even like Romans chapter 8, for example. Listen to these verses from Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea and the sea was no more. Now think about this for a moment though. He's seeing this new heaven, new earth. The old heaven, the old earth has passed away. Now when we say someone has passed away, we don't mean that they cease to exist. We just mean they have undergone a change. And so that's what John sees here. That the heavens and the earth have undergone a great change. There is a newness about it. And so he sees this new heaven, new earth. And then he says in verse 2, And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepares a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And that is key right there. Because if you go back to Genesis Your God was dwelling with man. And then we know in heaven, God dwells with His people in a special way. Your heaven is where you have the fullness of God's blessing and presence. And then what John sees here is that you have heaven, this room on the right, you have heaven and earth becoming one. This is important. They become one. And John says... The dwelling place of God is with man. Where? On the earth. On the new earth. And he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's what Jesus is doing. He, when He comes back, He's going to make all things new. And the effects and consequences of sin will be erased. And life will then be lived and experienced in the full presence of God the way It is meant to be. And for those of us who want to be with Jesus, we will spend eternity with Him on the earth. Now listen to what Russell Moore says about this. He says it this way. He says eternity means civilization, architecture, banquet feasting, ruling, work. In short, it is eternal life. The new earth is not the white, antiseptic, hyper-spiritual heaven some Christians expect as their eternal home, nor is it simply the everlasting family reunion with calorie-free foods and superpowers, as some hope. He goes on to say, The new earth is not simply a restoration of Eden, but a glorious civilization with a city, and the glory of the nations redeemed and brought into it. One can expect that the new earth would be abuzz with culture, music, painting, literature, architecture, commerce, agriculture, and everything that expresses the creativity of human beings made in the image of God. And so when you think about spending eternity with God, you know, don't picture yourself playing a harp sitting on a cloud with like a loincloth on and wings, that's just not the reality. Yes, you will spend some time in heaven, that room on the right, that, that room on the right where Jesus is until He returns. But once He returns, He's going to make all things new. And you will spend eternity on the earth with Christ. And you will be doing more than just singing. But surely you will worship God in song, no doubt about it. But you also worship God in work and play and rest. And all that it means to be made in the image of God. Because that's what we were made for. We were made to have bodies. We were made for the earth. And that's God's intent. And that's why when Jesus comes back, He will renew the earth, resurrect our bodies, and we will live with Him forever and ever. And so the question you do need to ask yourself is, where do you want to spend eternity? But the more important question that really dictates that is who do you want to spend eternity with? Because it's all about Jesus. It's Do you want to be with Him and surrender to Him or not? That is the determining factor of where you'll spend eternity. And so before you take that last step and move into the hallway of death, I hope you'll decide to give your life to Christ. I hope you will decide to to follow Jesus. And I hope you will desire to be in that room on the right. Because that's what we were made for. Let's pray together. God, we just thank You for Your Word and how it speaks to us and tells us that You have made us for great things. To be with You. To image You. To live, work, play, celebrate, praise And Lord, there's going to be um, life in abundance with You forever. I pray for each person here. I pray that they would think about whether or not they want to be with You. And they would make that decision. And I pray their decision would be to surrender their life to Christ. To receive Your forgiveness for their sin through His sacrifice for them. And that they would make Him the Lord of their lives. So that when we crest the stairway of life and enter the hallway of death, we will be brought into the room where Jesus is. As we await His return when He makes all things new. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.